Welcome to No Challenges and Raining. Once again from Melbourne, Australia, I'm Ben Rothenberg, joined once again by Tumani Carriol, our intrepid Spain and Sub-Saharan Africa correspondent. It's funny, we've been down here a long time, it feels like. Yeah, it, it feels like we've been here, as Elise Kone said, for, for a year or more, but we're still going and we're, we're ready for what's next. Well, what is next is the semifinals. This will be a pretty straightforward show. Hopefully, we're going to talk to you about the semifinals, the semifinalists, the four men, the four women who are in contention still for these draws and some other assorted nonsense in the other draws, maybe. Let's start with the women. They played tonight in the women's semifinals, a night session women's semifinal, which is the first time here for that. Let's start right at the top with Ash Barty, number one seed, who has really rolled. She's only dropped serve, I think, once in this tournament. Uh, to Amanda Nisimova in the fourth round. After avoiding that that high-profile clash with Naomi Osaka we didn't get, she beats Nisimova easy, then she beats Jess Pagula, who really did not play very well, I think, in that match against Barty, or just couldn't do much in that match. Um, Barty is into the semifinals unbothered, potentially untested, if you want to make it make it yeah. a little bit more worrying for her. What do you think about Barty and, and her form and, and how she just seems way ahead of the pack of this tournament? Yeah, I mean, she's she seemed way ahead of the pack last year, you know, from majority of last year. Yeah, the, at the start of this year, she seems to just have rounded into, I don't know, she seems to have just elevated even more. And yeah, she's playing extremely well. She has dropped serve just once in the whole tournament, which is, you know, crazy. Um, I, I think just not, people talk about her serve, but it's just, it's, crazy just how well she serves given her height and yeah. I mean I'd argue that she's the best in terms of sh- shorter players she's the best of all time server in terms yeah of, that's know, right among them so um Hennen was pretty good but Brody's better yeah. Hennen yeah but Hennen was like you know she served really well but she had like low percentage you know like first serve percentage because of her height and mm-hmm. you know there are issues whereas Brody's just so efficient and so um yeah but, but here she is, and I, I agree with the untested thing. Like, she's played incredibly well, and, you know, to the point where it's questionable. You know, there's there's a very high bar, very few players who probably can test her in this form, you know, unless she's, the you know, she becomes nervous and, you know, all of that stuff. But, yeah, I mean, Pagula, I think she said afterwards that she felt helpless, and I think Barty kind of exposed her limitations. Same with Anisimova, who, who played like who played, I should say, like incredibly against Osaka, but in this different match where you have to be kind of more streetwise and you know against such a tricky player in Barty, she, you know, Barty just kind of neutralized her, and wasn't really a surprise. But we'll see. I'm 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 very interested in this match with Keys. Um, Keys, I mean, you know, Keys obviously has huge weapons as we all know and the ability to hit every kind of human being off the court really yeah but you know as we also all know um she's and, and although she, you know she's she's been kind of she's performed well like in, in her last match against Petrikova I thought she played a, a very considered match which is often her weakness and but Barty's going to test that to the limit you know in terms of like her shot tolerance and and how you know the decisions she makes on court and what she you know goes for, what she doesn't go for, so that that's going to be a huge challenge for Keys, and she'll have to play her best. Before getting to Keys, I just more on Barty as an opponent specifically. Yeah. Like I wonder, and this is something I think Craig Tizer hinted a bit in his press. Like should play. 
I don't know if it's efficient work, but it certainly would be practical in these purposes. Should players be doing more, like, longer-term prep for Ash Barty? Because I don't think you, you can hit, he says, on all these lines. Like, you can't hit, just hit slices for 30 minutes in practice the day before and, and say, oh, I'm ready for Barty. Like, it's harder than that. Like, she presents a deeper challenge, and she's a very good prepper and tactician in this way. That's that's really where she's beating people. It's because people aren't can't match that. You know, like, it's not that any one of her individual shots is superlative. I mean, the serve is obviously very good. Everything's very good. She, as Pagula said, she just does everything a little bit better than everybody else. Sure. But, like, she also shouldn't be as untouchable as she's proved here so far. We'll see with Keys, because Keys is, has had a really impressive run, really decisive wins over Bedosa and Krejcikova uh, to make it to this last four. Um, and it's playing really kind of just like loose and free. Maddie, Madison Keys always has this sort of like ball attention kind of energy mm-hmm. a lot of times on court. And that hasn't been there. Uh, this tournament, she seems very relaxed, very at ease. Maybe that catches up to her when she's into a Grand Slam semifinal. But at the same time, she's playing against Barty, who no one really expects her to beat. Uh, or no one thinks she should beat, let's say. Yeah. Um, and maybe she can maybe, maybe she can stay relaxed. So it is an interesting match. I could see it being another easy Barty win. Because sure, I can yeah. certainly imagine ways in which Barty unwinds Keys like she does other big hitters. That's not hard to imagine. But Keys is a you know, the most experienced player Barty will have played in this tournament in terms of big stage experience by far. It's actually great, to me at least, it's, it's funny that, you know, Keys is only one year older than Barty, and she's actually made more slam semifinals. This is her fifth, mm. and this is Barty's fourth. Um, and yeah, I, I think this match will just, I think the biggest thing is that Keys can do for herself is serve incredibly well. Like, against Krejcikova, she, like, in, in the tough, tight moments when the match was tight, like, she served so well in all of the tight games. I think she hit, nine aces in the first set which is for it like the level of serving she's gonna have to i think she'll have to do against barty to you know stay in her service games and then wait to see what chances happen in um barty's can you tell me more about what you've seen from keys that's been better than been than average keys of late i mean (laughs) better than keys of late is is everything because obviously she was struggling badly i mean I think, you know, she has, and she she has done this, like, throughout her career, like, she's spoken about how she's trying to, um, you know, be more considered and, you know, you know not just hit the crap out of the ball. But I, I think she ha- that has kind of, um, th- this week, you know, in this tournament, she has, you know, visibly been, you know, putting that into action, whether it's, like, with her returns, like, instead of just, like, going for lines... And, and trying to hit the cover of the ball. Like, against Krejcikova, she hit the majority of her returns down the middle and waited for the right opportunity. I thought, like, that ma- So, like, in the Bedosa match, she was, like, redlining completely. Like, yeah. just, you know, kind of destroyed her. Um, and Bedosa had, like, a funny quote about that where she, like, um, she thought she was playing badly. And then she looked at, like, her, she was looking at her serve speed and she was, it, she was serving, like, 180 kilometers per hour. And it was coming back faster. And she was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but against Krejcikova, you know, I thought that was just really kind of a, a, a like a well-played match where she, when once Krejcikova started to kind of fall away, Keys just let her. She didn't, you know, go for too much and then, you know, contribute errors herself. Like she let her opponent unwind, which, you know, is not always the case when in the past when she's just thinking about herself and how she can you know, win the match. So, yeah, she, she's play, I think she's playing, she has the talent and she's playing with a bit more maturity and 
I mean, this match is just going to test that to the limit, I think, in what, given what Barty, as you said, like brings, particularly against the Kittles. One other thing that I think has been a key for Keys and also for Barty and Collins specifically, I don't think it's really been an issue. It hasn't really been a thing for Shantek scheduling-wise as much. But Keys and Collins especially, and I guess Barty a bit too. Our Barty's played more at night. But they have played these like middle-of-the-day heat matches. Collins and Keys especially have seemed completely unbothered by this heat, which I think really was a factor certainly for Krejcikova in that match. She could not handle the heat as well. Collins and Keys, these Floridians, seem unbothered by the heat. Cornet yesterday too against against Collins couldn't keep up with the with the heat. Um, yeah, it's annoying that the women get all of these peak heat matches and the men never play those. Essentially, it's always the women out on labor in those first two matches of the day in the big parts of the tournament. Um, yeah, I think that's been a factor. It won't be a factor anymore because the rest of it's night sessions. But it has been a factor getting here. So, do, are you one of the people who think that? There should be like they should use the roof in yes 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 I think if you have a roof and it would be nicer under the roof let's close the roof yeah. whether it's raining whether it's too hot as this globe warms let's use our little roof I, I think like particularly if like I think both players are in agreement like agree that they think it would be better to play under the roof then I don't know you know like for example in Halle Cornet when, I don't know when when that seemed I don't know that they both struggled badly and probably would have been perform better and in particular like for uh, other people have said like for the actual product you know I yeah don't know. I and for the fans yeah I'd, I'd much rather see like tennis like tennis in optimal conditions than people just like dying on the court i don't know this is a long-held ncr stance we we believe in this we believe in humanity not you know just tennis it's a little more humane it's decided by the tennis <laughs> not just like who you know passes out first or yeah. who who has cramps first if they hit the four hour mark like those things don't yeah. matter for us and, and, and like it's funny because you know people say that like he is like everyone's in the same position but i mean clearly if you come from florida i don't know just like it's it's not just determined by oh you know everyone starts from the same place and you know whoever handles it best kind of is better, you know. Yeah. Obviously, there are advantages to where you come from and what you're used to, and and that kind of plays out in these conditions. So the bottom half of the draw, like we said, Danielle Collins into her second Australian Open semifinal. She made it here in 2019. We both wrote about her this week. Um, she uh, got diagnosed last year with endometriosis, had surgery to remove a tennis ball-sized cyst from her uterus, and in a couple, a few other places as well, removing some some tissue. And she is playing much. Better. Well, she's, I mean, it's unclear actually how much has hurt her play all the time, but certainly she seems, you know, happier, healthier, and able to be more consistent because she still did make like a 2020 French Open quarterfinal. Yeah. Like she was still delivering good results pretty regularly. But anyway, she's here. She looks really sharp. Her her game is just solid. The, the big hitting, she really hit Cornet off the court. Uh, and yeah, and, I, and she's just been interesting to see back in the mix here. And I think she's someone who absolutely can win this tournament like because she, i i actually like the matchup with her and barty of the of the three remaining opponents of barty i think collins is in some ways the one who i think barty probably wants least she beat barty in their last meeting and the one before that they went seven six and a third in adelaide and barty won so it's and i, I think barty is this big intimidation factor in the tour right now and i don't think collins feels that as yeah. much as the others that's 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 a fair point yeah i just yeah i'd say so with with the um, endo, like I think it's kind of pointing just that last year was when she had in in Australia was when she had really 
kind of had struggles and, you know, she played the Phillip Island Trophy, which is the, the tournament played at the second week of Australian Open. And she kind of, against Kasakina, she was like basically crying on the court, like underarm serves, you know, kind of just, it wasn't, it wasn't happening. So, so for her to come back a year later and make the semis is, I think, pretty, just a cool, like, achievement. And she's been very open about it, like, as, as we know, like, really open. And, yeah, I, I just love her backhand, honestly. I, I love, you know, how she attacks and just, you know, that shot, she can really do anything with it and, and do anything to her opponents with it. So, uh, yeah, I, I definitely, in terms of, like, the fear, like, she's, she's fearless and, you know, on the big stage, you kind of just expect that she'll, you know, she'll, she'll I mean, that I'm sure that won't always be the case, but like, given how how she is and her nature, like that she'll just see it as a challenge. And yeah, this this definitely you know as moving on to next player, it's gonna be a, a tough, tough, tough match for Shviontek because I think because she, she's in better form, Collins. I think Collins is in better form than Shviontek too. I think Shviontek, if it's a battle, I think Collins is the more natural battler. We've seen Shviontek have to kind of learn how to battle at this tournament, not always playing her best, playing some inform opponents at times really weathering the storm against Kirstea, especially in the fourth round, yeah. and then um, sort of surviving the Kanepi ride. The Kanepi ride went very far at this tournament, um, <laughs> into deep into the quarterfinals. Um, and Shvantec is a better player, as a player, than a Kanepi, or yeah. a Kirstea, certainly. But like, but still seeing her there, she's still growing and learning things, and it's a very, very different experience for her than her 2020 French Open, where she just absolutely blitzed everybody, was basically untouchable, and in some ways, that's, you know, an easier thing to do when you just come out and you're playing amazing and you don't have to even, like, work or think or solve things too hard. Yeah. She was doing, I'm sure, some work and some solving, but things are coming easier to her there. Um, and so here, yeah, I'm, I'm interested. I'm impressed by her making the semifinals, her first, only second slam semifinal. Again, um, interesting stat up, too, about this tournament. This is the first tournament in quite a while with no first-time semifinalist on the men's or women's side since 2013 French Open, even though it doesn't feel like a totally status quo tournament in some ways. Um, and certainly Collins and Keys were, like, not high in the mix of contenders pre-tournament. Uh, anyway, yeah, I I think that I kind of like Collins' chances in this match if things stay the same. It's going to be a night match. Collins has not played any night matches, I don't think, at this tournament. Um, and Shantek has. I don't know, but I do, I do think for keeping the final spicy... I, I don't see Iga matching up well against a peak Barty. I, I don't think that's a, a good matchup for... And then, I Sorry, I think that is a good matchup for Barty. Someone else who's, you know, going to play with a little bit more spin and stuff. And yeah. that kind of game. Whereas I think Collins can just sort of get a little bit more interface and, and loud and, and stuff. That's fair. I do think that, he, like, Shuntek has the... I don't know, just, just the skill and the ability to, like... And the back end to, to like whether the the party slice and all of the craft the stuff that kind of you know party will throw at her like you know it, theoretically just like i think she like i don't know she, she can you know create angles and i don't know she she, she has the creativity to play with party but like her current the level she's shown so far in the tournament you know i think of course not but so, so i'm curious about this match just to see if like the, those the battles that Shriontek has had, some like at some point she just kind of turns a corner and just plays you know freely as as yeah. you know, happens you know when players struggle and I don't know reach a point where they feel you know feel really good and 
Because uh, Collins might not be a bad, not a bad matchup for her tennis wise potentially. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I just yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, she's and also like I feel like Fiontek has been the obviously the heavy favorite, and she is she's obviously the high ranked player here as well. But I'm, I'm wondering like if now that she's in the semi final and now that it's so you know close to the end of the tournament, if kind of it's freeing, you know, if she if she loses in the semi final, it's no. I'm sure she wants to win, but you know, I don't know. But I feel like there might be. It's possible that there could be less pressure on her now than when she was, you know, just trying to go deep in the tournament. If that makes sense. It's still crazy her French Open run. How she, with how well she played, yeah. getting to that French Open final. She was like a clear favorite in that match against Kennan, who was like number four, and they won the Australian Open that year, and everybody thought Chantek was going to win. So she, she she has not been that kind of captivating this tournament in terms of just being like wow, but she has gotten here and yeah. and I think the wow can can yeah. come. Yeah. And I think and and just in general, it's it's, it's just inter- very interesting to see a young player just kind of learning as she goes and and doing a good job of it so far. So let's see. And an excellent match point against Kanepi. Yeah, gosh. which the tournament still hasn't tweeted. Yeah. Baffling. Um, so WTA wanted to tweet it and eventually tweeted it from some account called like, yeah. out of context Fiontech or something. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Tennis. Professional tennis. Uh, I tell you, man. Let's see, how, let's see what Netflix makes of all this net mess. Um, speaking of Netflixes, let's go to the boys. Uh, one of the Netflixers is Matteo Berrettini. Actually, everybody, uh, with the exception, it's funny, of the three, of the four semifinalists, the only one who was not the high seed in his quarter is Nadal. Um, all the others, because Berrettini was in the Djokovic quarter, obviously, all the others were the high seeds to get through, um, so it's been a bit chalky that way. Um, Berrettini gets through, beats Malfis in five sets in the quarterfinals to get there. Malfis uh, fought back well and then played a really bad start to the fifth set, and that match kind of went away. Which he tends to do. Yeah. yeah. It didn't have the click. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was honestly, that was a highlight of the tournament. Like uh, After the match, uh, Malfis' press conference where he just was... It was, you know, it was 1 a.m. and he had all of the emotions and, you know, he was going through like... I thought uh, it was beautiful. Yeah, it I was. loved it. Yeah, I loved it too. And, and it was just, I don't know, the way he said it with like a smile on his face as well. I don't the know. clique. It was, yeah. very, it was very French. It was, it was all French. very French. Yeah. The right. clique. Uh, anyway, the, he clicked off the, the tournament and Bertini is through. Bertini just looks like increasingly solid. Like he, he's consistent day-to-day efforts. He's big, strong fella. And he, I don't know how he matches up against Nadal. Um, we haven't seen that match very much. Uh, they played at the U.S. Open semifinals in 2019 when, when Berrettini was still pretty brand new at this stage. But he's a great slams player, Berrettini. He has only lost in the past year at slams to Djokovic, who's out of his way. I think this is an int- I I have a tough time calling this match, actually. I could see it going either way because Berrettini's been really good and, and Nadal's been... Not his best, but okay, but, but competing well as ever and just still a tough out, even when, you know, not at his best. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think the, the cool thing about Berrettini, I think I think it's, I mean, it's cool in general that he's just given how much hype all the other players in his generation had, that he's just built this. It's so weird how he avoids the hype in some way. Yeah. I don't get that. Based on his, res- and I, based on his slam results, maybe he's not, hasn't had the ranking, but I look at Berrettini and I'm like, why do people talk more about Rublev than you? Yeah, that's that's true. But I mean, it's down to like how they've been talking about Rublev for a long time, right? Yeah. And, and Berrettini's. It's true. Of, it does matter, like what you were doing in juniors to yeah. create that narrative. Yeah. yeah. And Berrettini's more of I wouldn't yeah, more of a late bloomer. Yeah. He's, even though he's he's still young, 
So yeah, I, I just think it's cool that he's built this career and you know he's made three, not just three semi-finals but three different ones. And you know he plays well on clay, so I think that will probably come at Roland Garros at some point. And he's really like, I think it, the funny thing is like watching him. He, he's he he seems very like tight. Highly strung, like you know, he's he's always look he's looks at his box a lot, and I don't know. There seems to be a, a nervous energy about him, but he's very clutch, which is why he's made these, you know, these deep runs in slams. And again, like he had two five setters where he won the first two sets, lost the second two sets, but he recovered. You know, he he got himself together at the key key moments and and won. And with the matchup with Nadal, um, I mean, I think like if, if Nadal was kind of a hundred percent, I'd probably be like confident in like if if he'd had you know normal preparation, I'd be confident in Nadal winning just because of the the back Berrettini's backhand and and what Nadal can do to it with his forehand and with his you know with his lefty serve like you know that's the obvious issue Berrettini has yeah um and you know he can get just stuck in that corner for a long time but you know given that you know. It's, it's funny like so my 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 newspaper my like my my like editors and stuff were you know they're preparing for the weekend and getting quite excited about you know just the possibility of Nadal winning 21 and you know how how we cover it and and, and I don't know I was just like I'm still not sure. Well, the Djokovic, <laughs> sorry, the, the Nadal 21 narrative started really as soon as Djokovic's presence here got imperiled. Right, like as soon as Djokovic was like, maybe he'll get the board. People were like, well, now Nadal can get twenty one. It was sort yeah. of like, all right, pat on the head. Like, <laughs> yeah. okay, not Rafa has not played well, but he's you know, yeah. At the same, it's shades of twenty seventeen here for him, where both he and Federer in parallel marched through unexpected to the final. Um, yeah, but he's he's been he's a he's still very tough to count out. You saw that even in the match against Shapovalov, who's you know arguably kind of a better player right now in some ways than than Nadal. Um, but just his sort of like his match management, his experience, his like toughness, his focus. Yeah. He's so much better than these children at those things. Yeah, Does yeah. that? It's certainly on than, than Shapovalov. Does that translate against the Berrettini, who is is a step up from Shapovalov? I again, you're right. The technical things in this match are good for for Nadal. The, the going into the back end, as we've seen many times um, with him in his career. But I, I I think he can win the Australian Open. Nadal? Ne- uh, oh, yeah. Any, any, well, the one, we'll get to Sitsipas, this one I'm still most confused by this tournament, but I think Berrettini or Nadal certainly can. I think anyone can win. Yeah, um, I think anyone probably can, which is weird. Yeah. Unusual for me. Yeah. But no, I think, like, it, it just, I don't know, it was also just funny to just kind of see how Nadal struggled in the heat. Like, obviously, he, he struggles in humid conditions in parts of his career, but it's not really, it hasn't been that, that humid, in, I, I think. I mean, he did just have COVID. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, like, so, so, like, it's funny to see, like, it, like, just how much the lack of, you know, preparation, the COVID, the preparation, like, affect, affects in in real time just to to see. And yet he's still there, you know, he's Mm -hmm. still making it through. He's still playing well. It's been, well, playing at, at a good enough level. And it's been also interesting to see, like, him trying to be more efficient, like, being, you know, being a bit more, he can still be controlled even more, but like trying to be more aggressive, you know, with his like return position, he's he's varied it, but like at times he would uh, often like taking returns like early from inside, like second serve inside the baseline, first serve close to the baseline, and 
you know, just like trying to manage his energy as much as possible with the foot, you know, yeah. he, he knows that he can't um, just, you know, he, he can't be grinding forever. And that you know, it's, it's also just impressive to see that kind of adjustment. Yeah, I, I, put that in, I put that in the experience category and just yeah. sort of being, knowing how to manage himself and his various health problems and stuff and peak at the right times. And almost always every year that comes at the French Open. But, but I hope, I hope Andy Murray is watching. <laughs> um, Explain. No, just 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 because I don't know. I think for for Murray who again, because Murray's not doing that. You're saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Murray who has kind of his own like physical challenges. I don't know. I think it could be inspirational to just see how Nadal is adapting because you know Murray has kind of gone on on a different direction that he believes he can play the game that he's always played and play at a higher level and, and you know con- continue, but. You know, I, I don't know if, you know, <laughs> Nadal clearly knows that he can't be doing this to himself. Remember, given his, his, yeah. remember when Justin Annan came back from retirement in 2010 and was a ball basher? Yeah. <laughs> like, she made a grandstand final doing that. So, it can work, you know. I think Andy Murray has skills to be a ball basher. I would, I would, I would like to see it. <laughs> well, not, <laughs> not even a ball basher, just, just more efficient, honestly. But uh, you have to really buy into it. And, yeah. and, and I think... Murray hasn't yet just whereas Nadal has and he's it and yeah he's here I think he can definitely win 21 but also it's just hard to really you know if if you'd known if he'd had like even you know with with a six-month layoff if he'd had like months to prepare and you know was you know had arrived feeling really good then you know you at least for me I'd be a lot more confident in his ability whereas it's just such an unknown like how to handle different situations as the heat or tight moments and yeah but he's he's also Rafa Nadal so yeah he's right there to win a brief interlude on Nadal's quarterfinal opponent Denis Shapovalov who accused Nadal of getting favoritism and stuff um, also Patreon subscribers will have heard if they want to <laughs> um, my my rap tribute to uh, to Denis Shapovalov and and just my ghostwriting abilities are always here for you dennis good tournament for him um beating zverev uh very convincingly in the fourth round sort of weird scoreline um and then yeah then he i think he's always been relatively whiny shapovalov so i don't think that it's a shock anything i don't i honestly don't think there's not much to say about that whole the whole saga i mean you do i I, I mean the the the, your your your, you're all corrupt corrupt. i mean that is (laughs) Uh, I assume he got a fine. I haven't looked at the fine. I assume he gets fined for that. Yeah, I mean, he should. And that's, you know, I mean, naturally people were bringing up Serena and and that whole thing. I mean, calling someone corrupt. Well, corrupt in in the context also, that's a lot of what, people don't remember this part of this incident as well, but when Kyrgios had his extended meltdown in Cincinnati, he said things about the ATP being corrupt, and that's actually what pissed them off most on that whole thing. Um, so I imagine there will be some sort of self-minor discipline down the line for for Shabalov, even if in the moment he didn't get a verbal abuse warning. And it was different than Serena at the US Open because Serena was like a longer rant, it took minutes yeah. of this of building up this kind of thing. And so like there was a sort of tolerance for it that Ramos and his round be lower already to start with. Um, that he reached, yeah, that, yeah <laughs> that he reached, but but it was different than than Shabalov who spent ten seconds up there. Yeah, but I w- I'd also say that Serena said a lot more, but. I don't know if this is getting into like specifics, but 
calling someone a liar is prob- prob- isn't as bad as calling someone corrupt and, and, and a thief <laughs> and a thief. You're, you yeah. stole my point. You're a yeah. thief, but not like. But I don't know. Just to me, like call, calling an like an official, a, like, an official corrupt is like the worst thing about the worst. Because thief is just kind of goofy. <laughs> I mean, I was like... Imagine like a little, little hamburglar yeah. just like running off with a point. You took my point. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, I, I alluded to it briefly earlier, him, um, but Stefano Tsitsipas. The most surprising result of this tournament for me was Stefano Tsitsipas clocking Yannick Sinner. Like, I thought Sinner would win that match. I thought Sinner was playing much better than Tsitsipas going in there. And Tsitsipas destroyed him from the beginning. It was This match was not close. Uh, Paz, we thought in this tournament was going to be compromised by his elbow issues. He hadn't played much. He had an elbow operation. He's talking about Dr. Frank, who he's in corresponding with his surprise and a little annoyed that he's playing at this tournament. Um, but he's, he's, he's here. He, he, I didn't, I thought that Fritz had a good chance against him in the fourth round too. And that went five. Um, and so when you go five against Fritz, I don't then expect you to clobber center, but that was a, a absolute beatdown. I, I did not see it coming. And now I like, I'm suddenly after not considering him really for the title, did not think he'd make it to the semis. Um, I thought I could lose to Dimitrov in the third round when the draw first came out. Uh, I am boo-boo the fool in this situation. But is is can what is Hitsipas doing on many levels here? Can he can he win? Well, I'll get to that. <laughs> Do you want to talk about being cold? <laughs> I get to that, yeah. Uh, but in terms of yeah, his his actual game, uh, yeah, I, I agree. Just the way he. He came like against Fritz as well, and in in the like final set, he like won that. I felt on his experience and on like, you know, he cut down errors. You know, I think he hit four only four and four He's errors in, in the well. in the fifth set. But yeah, in, in that match, I felt like he kind of just, you know, he got by on on just knowing what to do in the right moments. And so I, I and so his level like elevated so much against um, Sinner, and like he came out immediately so sharp. Serving well, broken the f- first uh, you know return game, mm-hmm. got up three love, and from there just like rolled. You know there was the rain delay in the middle of the um, second set, I think, like, mm-hmm. early in the second yeah. set that could have like stopped the momentum, changed things. But he was just so sharp, and you know was just so direct. I was kind of as an aside, like in so in his press conference, he was like a, a reporter asked him like he was getting ninety percent of. Like after his, his serve, he'd get ninety percent of forehands, and I was very confused by his him. next shot as a forehand. Yeah, his next yeah. shot as a forehand, yeah. and and I was very just like confused by him saying like. So the the reporter asked him like, "Was this a tactic?" And you'd think that given Sisbatti's clear forehand, stat too. that that sh- that should you know like given like his forehand ability and how he controls opponents, that should that should be what you're trying to do on the tennis school. And he was like, "No, I just got forehands and I hit them." It's like. Even for Sitsipas, this was a bizarre press conference experience. Yeah. To set the stage, he's sitting there in his hoodie, looking like he is somewhere in upper Nunavut, freezing, shivering, dying of cold in the middle of, of the heat of Australia. What is, I, I understand he probably just took an ice bath at some yeah. point in the preceding time, but like he's and maybe he just has like incredibly low body fat and he gets cold easier than other people. And he certainly doesn't be looking at him. He clearly does. But, like, this was – all of it is just – and then he just doesn't – he's still just sort of, like, space cadet on certain questions. Like, all of it is just a bizarre experience with him. 
interesting, but increasingly just bizarre. Yeah. When you add the physical elements of the constant shivering to it, yeah. it's just like, what is happening here? And, and, and I think he's been doing it in, in previous press conferences. The shivering, like, yes. Yeah, but yeah. this was like a, a new level of just shivering and it was like... You know, I'm, I'm yeah, and, rubbing his arm. And I, yeah, yeah, I had to like, I was like trying to ask my question. I was so distracted. I was like, "Are you cold?" <laughs> and he was like, "He sm-, he was like, yes, smiling." But yeah, I just and 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 it's, it's I don't know. It's it is always a kind of journey with his press conferences where like he'll I don't know just the way he speaks. You know, he'll end he'll be speaking and just end abruptly. Or another time, so like end and then just like even pause even his encore interviews, he just seems like not totally there right now. Yeah, and I, it, again, it's all coming in the context of him playing really well, and so maybe he's in some sort of weird fugue state at this tournament. Maybe maybe that maybe who knows what Doctor Frank removed. Uh, you know, something's just something's just something's just not here, and this yeah, it's it's all. I just find it strange and fascinating, and I hope I hope the videos of the press. I someone did someone messaged me. It was like. Even earlier press conference, like I watched. Have you seen the the cold to Sipas video? <laughs> it's it's yeah. it's wild, but yeah. um, but he's playing well, and he it, unlucky for him. He gets in the next round his nemesis, you know Medvedev, um, which he the, was. I was gonna say, and he he was asked about Medvedev, and he he was very forensic in in getting to the bottom of why why the question was being asked and why specifically him and. I yeah, know. I mean, like it was, it was transparent on both sides. Yeah, I, agree, I mean, yeah. like it was Matt Roberts' tennis podcast who asked uh, about his relationship with Medvedev, which is obviously we all know um, about that. As they get ready for the man, you better shut your fuck up, Paul. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, anyway, I can't. I don't even. Want, I can't even engage with Sitsipas at, at this point anymore. But 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 Medvedev. Um, the other really surprising result is that this match was close. I and I think Medvedev was surprised by this too, honestly, uh, with how he started and and how things went. And because the last few matches, two matches against the uh, Felix, both of which were pretty recent, U.S. Open semifinal and then ATP Cup or ATP Cup, he bagled them. Yeah, it's like four zero. Um, and and I was gonna say, and the, honestly, I thought the U.S. Open final was probably even worse because semifinal was not close. Yeah, yeah, because 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 um, Felix was up five two in the second set. And he served for it, like, just kind of completely bulked, yeah. lo- lost the service game, and then just crumbled. He went into that space that you'll see in, like, fin- his finals where he just stops competing. And he lost, like, 10 of the next 11 games or something and lost the match. So you understand why people, why, you know, sort of veteran tennis watchers were surprised that things were unfolding. I think people on paper could see, like, of course, Felix is, like, number nine. He's playing well. He's a great talent. Like, what da a lot of Canadians, man, I mentioned for being surprised, like being like, I'm not sure what's going on in this match. But this match was weird. Anyway, Medvedev seemed to be kind of toy. I kept saying like he was like toying with him, but he was losing. Like he was just kind of trolling I think around. Just the mind game, the, the no typical mind game. The sprint, <laughs> the absolute. If you guys have not seen it, I've I've co-tweeted this this tweet, but it was amazing. Medvedev hits a a, a point, a sort of like spin half volley thing. Um, pirouettes. Pirouettes. And then sprints to the middle of the court <laughs> during a game position. It gets easily passed. It's just like, it's just like goofy. Anyway, the Medvedev... And, Me- yeah, no, so I just, and regarding that point, like, I saw people like just watch the like the GIF and think that 
Medvedev was just like I don't know, just normally like scared to hit a volley and running back. But he was just I think again I think it was like <laughs> mind games. Like watching it live, like we we're both on, on court and we we're just like it was slapsticky. I've, I've, it was just like what is yeah, happening here? I've never I've never seen someone do that on a tennis court before. <laughs> anyway, Medvedev uh, turns it around, wins the third set tie break, and dials in for that. Uh, the rest of the match was still tough, even if I because he got down match point in the fourth set at four five. He hit a big first serve. Medvedev to escape it, uh, wins third, uh, fourth set, seven five gets up an early break in the fourth, fifth, sorry, in the fifth, and and closes it out. Um, and as he said, he's thinking to himself, "What would Novak do?" Um, to to booze from the crowd, which I mean, he knows. I mean, there's a whole yeah. conversation about the definition of trolling here. Something can be true and still a troll. You're the way he was choosing to say it to get a reaction. Yeah. He's like, "I don't. You guys are not gonna like this, but." What would Novak Yeah. And then he started giggling. Like, yeah, yeah. it was all just like, anyway, Medvedev is through. Um, I gotta say, I was thinking watching this match, I was like, did I just like really overestimate Dino Medvedev? Because we don't actually have that much data on him as like the favorite. Yeah. Because he was the clear favorite of this tournament from the time Joe which went out. And that's a different kind of pressure and a different kind of role. And he has had to, in his defense, a weird draw this tournament. He played Kyrgios in the second round. All circusy sort of C match. He then played Cressy in the fourth round. Yeah. Van de Zanschulp, not an easy third round that he got. Sorry, Bob, Bob listeners. And then just so maybe that lets him a little bit less prepared than normal for a pretty standard opponent in some ways, like Felix, uh, who just was playing. And Felix played really well. To be clear. This was really, really peak Felix. It was his, some of his best, and I think the best match he ever played, I think, pretty easily. Um, so I think like the best big match, and yeah, and, yeah. yeah like for, for just sorry to go back to Felix, like for a set and a half, I think, yeah, he played incredibly well, and you know, it's, I think it should be noted, even though he had match point, like it, it wasn't a, a choke. No, you know? not at all. He had he had his chances, and maybe, even being up two sets, I don't think it was a yeah, choke. For, yeah, he had his chances, like those maybe like I think like a, a second serve return, like. You know, there are one or two things that he could have done better, but Medvedev was also really clutch and served, like, incredibly well. I think the, the, the serve on match point was his hardest serve of the match, you know, the unreturned serve. And, yeah, so, so it was just a kind of a, a, a gut-in loss for him, I'm sure, but, like, one that he can learn a lot from. And it wasn't, you know, he, he did, he tried his best. And, and you know, and, 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 and with, with regards to Medvedev, yeah, I think, like, him being such a heavy favourite is more like a reflection of just how just, you know, it's just this weird situation that hasn't happened for so long where, you know, I mean, the only, like, mo- big multiple Grand Slam champion, Nadal, has just had no real de- decent pe- preparation for the tournament. You know, Djokovic is out. So everyone just latched on the the Grand Slam champion with with the good form, you know, because who else? Yeah. And, but, and, and, yeah, I agree, like, there hasn't, we don't know. We don't know. We haven't seen him in this new position as a Grand Slam champion. It's also, as people have kind of point, are starting to point out, it's incredibly rare for, a, even though we saw it with Osaka, like it's incredibly rare for a, a player to win a Grand Slam and then win the next. This game. shocked me. I had not realized this. I, and the, it's a men's stat that no man in the Open era has ever won the Grand Slam event after his first Grand Slam title. That's never happened in the Open yeah. Era. And it's happened a few times I could think of in the women's. I was, as someone said this to Medvedev and Press the other day, and I was like, what? That can't be right. Because, like, Osaka just did this. And I was thinking, I know Venus did this. Capriati did it. 
There's a few others I'm sure you could come up with in women's tennis. But in the men's, it's just never happened. And only once even made the final. Yeah. It was Andy Murray, Murray yeah. uh, who won the 2012 U.S. Open, then made the final here in 2013. And then also, um, but only three of them made that the semis. Like, it's been this thing. And granted, we know, obviously, but it's talked about more in a women's context, honestly. Like, the whole, like, losing early after winning a slam. But Djokovic, uh, sorry, but Medvedev has a chance for some some history yeah. here. But um, I, I guess, like, that it also kind of goes to show, like, how the big three have kind of... I don't know, just before the big three, you know, players, I mean, it's reflected in like the, the total slam, slam counts, you know, of the players. Like, and also with the big three, they didn't hit the ground running on their yeah, first yeah, slam. Yeah. They each won one and then, well, I guess Federer won, uh, uh, missed one slam. He, so he won Wimbledon 03 and then he won Australia 04. Yeah. So he missed the US Open 03. But, no. But yeah. It's just, I mean, it's just, log- I mean, to me at least, it's just logical that after winning a slam, like, it, it takes Oh, completely time. logical. Uh, yeah, like, it takes time to adjust. And Medvedev, and Medvedev's not quite, like, Osaka, where she was really new. Like, Medvedev yeah, yeah. won his third slam final, and it yeah. was a known quantity by the time he won the U.S. Open, for sure, in tennis contexts. Yeah. Um, and it was number two in the world already. So, anyway, so that's that's Medvedev, um, and that's the semi. Do you think do you think Tsitsipas has a shot against him? How do you think, that, how do you think they line up right now? I mean... I, I don't... I don't know. I, I can't predict it's possible. here. Yeah, I mean, the, just the way they won yesterday just kind of threw, threw everything off. Obviously, Medvedev has, like, the matchup, you know, advantage. And, and he won here in the exact same round last year. Like, he, like Easily. Comprehens- yeah, comprehensively. Like, it wasn't close. Um, but given how Tsitsipas played and given how fired up he was, it, you know, you can't ignore that at all, in my opinion. No, I, I think you're right. All four of them can win this tournament, yeah, which is think, interesting. Yeah, it's, it's fun to see a, a men's draw that's open, and yeah, we'll see. A couple other parting thoughts. Maybe we could say this more for a tournament wrap show, but I'll put them in here because they are happening today. Um, I was watching, I was I was at, staying here in my hotel watching uh, most of Shapovalov, Nadal, and in the fifth set of that match. They cut away. They left the Nadal fifth set because I had to show Kyrgios Kalkanakis doubles which Channel 9 called a revolution in world's tennis. <laughs> I didn't know <want> that. <laughs> yes. The, the Australian excitement and hype for this pair reaching the semifinals of the doubles draw has been immense. It's been a big thing on site here. They beat the number one seeds, Pavic Mektic. Like, do you care? I have curious fatigue, honestly. Um, yeah. Yeah, like, like at this point, you know, as unpredictable as he is, like we you kind of know what you're gonna get, right? Yeah, I think so. And yeah, I, I get that. I, I I think I'm pretty much on the same page. Also, like this is not surprising to me because sing, motivated singles players will be doubles players. Yeah. And yes, they're doing it in this way that's kind of circusy, but also in a way that like we know. Yeah. So like, there's nothing like yeah. we maybe we have we the interesting part is like how. Salty will the doubles players be in defeat? Like Michael Venus calling yes. Kyrgios an absolute knob. Like I could have seen that coming, actually. Yes. Like so, it's I understand it's a fun time for the fans. Like I think it's a, if you're a, an Aussie who wants to see Aussies win and put on a show, it's a nice ticket to have. Um, it's people have asked like, is this what tennis needs? It's been a lot of conversation. This is what tennis needs. No, but it's what doubles needs. It doubles needs singles stars caring about it to make people put it on TV. Again, there's no way that a otherwise a what like third round men's doubles match is booting an Nadal fifth set off the television yeah, yeah. during a Grand Slam. I don't know. I, I think that it's 
I, I clearly you don't care. I don't care that much, but <laughs> I, it has been a big talking point here. Um, and then the other brief talking point I want to mention, um, I still do want to have him on the show. I want to have him on the show for years, but Dylan Alcott uh, is here. Massive, massive deal in Australia. One Australian of the year is on the front page of all the newspapers here. He plays, uh, we're recording this on, on Thursday, he plays uh, later this afternoon or evening uh, in his final. Um, and he's just like, he's a, I think people as Australia don't know who he is on a basic level. Um, but he's a enormous deal here, yeah. and that should just not be discounted. And how I think cool that is. Yeah, it's, it's just. I mean, I'm sure you've talked about this on this on this podcast before, but just seeing like how visible he is on, you know, on the you know tournament, you know, posters. posters he does A and C ads. Yeah, you yeah. like you scroll on Twitter and you'll see him doing that. You you you've seen the dancing ad, right? ad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah he, he's ever. It's it's kind of it must surely be unprecedented for a, a major you know Paralympic sp- athlete yeah. Yeah. yeah but like for a major sporting event for one of the faces of of like of I guess able-bodied athletes like for um a, a Paralympic athlete to, to be one of the faces and you know like the, there the, are there are two faces on the sort of what do they call it um I should know what this area is called the part the part of the south area of the grounds it's like the sort of more festivaly area there's a mural, and there's two faces on either side who welcome you. One is Ash, and one is Dylan Alcott. Yeah. Like, he's very, very prominent here. Yeah. And, like, he was on the posters. He's the first poster, first face you see when you're coming in from the airport on the highway, the first billboard or first yeah. overpass ad you pass is Dylan Alcott. Like, and again, this is a, a, a draw, or like, a, a, a part of the sport that really is overlooked. And certainly, you know, we're responsible or accountable for that as anybody as media. Like, the wheelchair tennis doesn't get these anywhere near the same attention, but Dylan, who's this incredible presence and personality and his incredible charisma and yeah. showmanship. Um, uh, and his book is great. Uh, Able by Dylan Alcott. Check it out if you guys want a, a different sort of tennis book. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. He, he's just an absolutely transcendent, like, remarkable star. So I think that's, yeah. I think that's all very cool. So if, you're, if we get this out before his episode, before, before his final, which I hope we do, um, Tune in, watch, or just even just watch it. I'm sure his speech will be better than the match in some ways, honestly, because he's just an amazing talker. Yeah. So. I'm sure there'll be some bear involved as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I wrote about him for the Saturday paper. I'll probably repin that article at some point, too. And, yeah, I guess that's about it. Any other parting thoughts on what you're hoping for this last two days of the tournament? Are you going to get to wear his Peng Shui shirt? They're passing him out on Saturday. I'll, 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 I'll be there. Yeah. Will you? I, I will be I'll be I'll be interested in seeing how that goes. Yeah, yeah. I wrote about that yeah for the Times um, and talked to Zhao, who is the artist who made them, who then kind of got a bit overshadowed and co-opted by these anti-China politicians who showed up, understandably. Um, but anyway, yeah. yeah. All right, with that, we'll wrap up. Thank you, Tommy. Thanks for having me. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. We want to thank our Patreon backers, who's Lamb Champax, who thank every episode. Antonio Maycumber, Sean Mulroy, Leah Williams, Mary Carrillo, Susanna W., Ashley Keel, James Hindle, Liz Kinnell, Anna Valinder, Jonathan Weinbaum, Timothy Liu, and Jean Simeon, and our two GOAT backers, Pam Shriver and J.O.D. If you want to support the show yourself, you can do so on our Patreon, patreon.com slash nochallengesremaining. <laughs>